And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, here as today's host of Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce, uh, Amazon, marketplaces, entrepreneurship, you name it. Today, we're going to be talking about profit killers for every Amazon seller. And with me today, I have Jenny Adams from Sellerboard. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for staying up late. I know it's a late hour over there. I think you're in Germany right now. Is that correct? At the moment, I'm in Moldova. Usually, I'm in Germany, but I'm here for okay, another three days. Okay, well, she's always on the move. Um, thanks for making this happen. Uh, we've been trying to get you on for a little bit. Uh, Sellerboard's been a tool that Marknology has used for quite a few years and um, one that's really helped us like educate our customers and be able to talk with them about you know the financials behind their business and how to get profitable. And you can just only have you know so much depth of a conversation about uh, profitability or pricing or things like that to do without a tool like Sellerboard or something like that to be able to see the profitability of what's actually happening in the account. Um, before we just go in straight to Sellerboard and talking profit and numbers and boring stuff, let's talk a little bit about Jenny, if we can. I start every show, um, you know, just getting to know a little bit about our guest and kind of like how you found e-commerce because uh, I know you're not a seller. We talked about that a little bit early. Um, seller board has, um, you know, a policy. policy, yes, that they don't want sellers like working at the company. So we won't talk about that. But, um, you know, you're in e-commerce, you've been in e-commerce, living, breathing it, working with sellers day in and day out. Um, where, where does your story begin? I know you come from, uh, you speak multiple languages and you come from all over. But how did you come across the e-commerce? Like, what was your first? Uh, actually, let's start before that. Have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur or work for startups? Like, where did that really come? Or was it something you kind of fell into? It's crazy because, um, so basically, um, I don't really mention that in shows usually, but uh, it's the first time mentioning it. Um, but I lived in Egypt. I mentioned it to you prior to our recording. So I lived in Egypt. I graduated from a school there. So I speak Arabic very well. Um, I was in American German school, studied, graduated. Then I decided that I want to study mechanical engineering. So I traveled to Europe. I ended up studying for a year mechanical, well, actually studied mechanical engineering for a year in Egypt prior to traveling. Then I decided to quit, travel to Europe and started um, studying international economic relations, world economy, political science. I did three majors. Um, while being in Europe, I was taking different, I was doing three faculties at the same time in different universities. It was crazy. Um, and I started working at 18 for, um, so it's basically working prior to that with my dad in the logistics field. Okay. So I know a lot about logistics, how it works. I was, we were working for a company that, um, regulates all the ships that enter the Suez canal. So I know everything about that. Um, okay. and so while I was in Europe, I started working for a company that sells airline tickets. 
So I was like 18. I was still in, I was like, I started university from, from zero again. It was like first year of university. I had an opportunity to get, to make good money when you're young, when you're 18, you're doing a couple of thousand dollars. It's big money yeah. for you. So I started selling online tickets. So basically what I knew, what and I was where doing, were you at this time? Were you in Germany? No, I was in Moldova. It's okay. where my grandma is. I came to visit. I like the details. I like the details. Okay. I you're in too, Moldova. I, I was in Moldova. It's basically between Ukraine and Romania, a small country. Okay. Um, my grandma was here. I did one of the faculties that I did. It was here. One of them was in Germany. One of them was in Romania. So what happened is while I was coming, I could, I could do the um, airline tickets work remotely. So what I was doing is I was building fights in the layer of Apollo. I can build very hard connection fights. And I was selling them. Thing is that when you are in um, in a company that sells air- airline tickets, this one was huge. It was asset tickets, international travel network. So what what you do is you have a ticket for five hundred. Basically online, it's everywhere for fifteen hundred. You're selling it for three hundred, thirteen hundred instead of fifteen hundred, like it's online. You have a seven hundred difference from which you got like twenty eight percent commission. So selling airline tickets for a year and then I started working late shifts. I wanted to do more traveling. I could do that, but I had to always be on my PC during travels. It was very hard to combine with my universities because I am like a young, I'm like a geek, you know, I like studying, I like writing, I like doing the projects, I like everything. So, um, so what I did is my friend, uh, her husband who's working with me with in tickets, she had a husband who had an IT company. And um, she didn't work with him because he's annoying. And she was like, we have an She's married to someone that's annoying. Yes. Yeah, um, yes, yes. And they, I was, I'm very good at, I was very good at sales at that time. And they had an account executive position in one of leading European outsourcing companies, IT outsourcing. So I worked there for a year, a year and a half or a year and a half. I was an account executive for a sales team. Um, then we built our own product, which was um, some, somehow connected to Net Promoter Score. Okay. And um, I saw an advertisement uh, on some German website that had to do with, um, it was like in part project development or partnerships and affiliate marketing. I didn't get what was that about it, but the... Um, the advertisement looked very appealing. So they had okay. all the, they had all the, um, they had the responsibilities of the job. It was like you have to get in touch with partners, you have to um, know marketing, you have to be good in sales. It was basically everything I like to do. And the work was um, there was a, an opportunity to work on the go. Basically, you have to be sometimes in the country, but you can travel whenever you want. And I applied, and it was board. And basically, I've been with them for almost three years. Um, I started um, doing partnerships and negotiations and affiliate marketing. With time, um, the founders of the company, it's Michael and Vladi, they got tired of recording all the podcasts and videos and dem- and, dem- and uh, webinars and demos. And they had me try one. It went very well. And we got very good registrations from that one to Sellerboard. And then they decided that a girl does it better than guys sometimes. Hmm. Yes, and ma'am. then I took over and I've been doing everything from um, feature descriptions to content writing to negotiations to demos. All the calls basically that Sellerboard takes, I take them. Um, all the partnerships, I take them. I do demos, I do webinars. I've never sold anything on Amazon to avoid the conflict of interest with their, us- with their users. Um, 
but theoretically i know a lot because i'm, co I'm co in, co in constant touch with amazon sellers with people who have agencies with people like you who have podcasts and it's a lot of um theoretical um experience exchange let's say i think one thing that's unique to amazon at least the amazon i never the thought i'd be here like right ever. that's what, like thinking about just like your decisions early in school and university and politics and mechanical yeah. engineering i lived with a uh, roommate that was a mechanical engineer so I like just a different stuff. kind of brain almost than yeah. people that sell uh it's almost completely separate you know so um but that's how i found e-commerce as well like i had a you know a bachelor's of science um and i loved the marketing i loved the selling i loved like the emotional connecting with people whether it's through podcasts like this whether it's through selling online, like, you know, the photos and, and it was like a game for me, the nerd yeah. stuff, I guess, like you call it, it was like figuring it out. And, and that's what leads us even to this conversation about profit was I, I wasn't a seller at the beginning. I've been in this space 11 years, um, almost entire, I'm a seller now, but at the beginning it was almost all service-based. Like I was doing services for others, helping them with their problems. Um, <clears throat> and profit was one that kept coming up. So um, you know, there's been other competitors in the space before Sellerboard, um, Fetcher, Managed by Stats. I love yeah. those guys over there. They're great guys. Um, you know, there's just been, if you've been in the space 11 years, you've seen stuff come and go. And Sellerboard was one that we found where I'm always trying to imagine coming into Amazon um, before people really understand what's going on. Okay, it was a hard conversation. There weren't blogs to point to. There weren't YouTube channels to point to. There weren't uh, there weren't people putting out podcasts like this every day about Amazon and how to sell on Amazon. It was like Wild West is the beginning. It was so much fun. Uh, but at the same time, it was like, uh, I, I call the difference uh, demand generation versus demand capture. Okay, so demand mm -hmm. generation is where you're like telling people about your thing. You got to tell them it's cool. You got to tell them to try it. They don't know about it. You're like introducing them to it. Demand capture is people already know and you're saying, hey, we're the best software to do this out. And I know you're looking for profitability software. We're the best one and come choose us. So it's a different combo when you're like educating and kind of convincing people about Amazon. And it always came down to like, you know, profitability and trying to have that conversation with sellers or potential sellers to be on Amazon. It would, well, I don't know if I can make money with all the fees. Well, I don't know if I can, um, you know, I, Amazon just takes a lot or, or we're not being profitable on Amazon. Well, as a service provider, I've been seeing your sales grow by 50,000 a month. What are we talking about? Well, I need to know the numbers if we're going to have this conversation and seller board, you know, just to make the plug, um, seller board was, is one of the best we've found for ease of use. Um, and maybe that's been because it's designed for all different kinds of nationalities, or maybe, uh, I don't know if they're German or not. Are the founders German? German. Yes. Bloody. Okay. This is why it's amazing. Probably because Germans, Germans just make, amazing they stuff. make everything great. You know, in my, in my opinion, we might not get along because I'm good. so emotional. Like, you know, I'm very emotional, but I want to buy all your things. Uh, and use them because they work so great. And it's like, you know, it was the difference in a lot of times it's the difference in keeping sellers or brands in the game, making money or not. Um, and I think any, if as someone else that's sold from bartending, I've sold as a bartender while I was on tour and selling shows, you're selling CDs at the end. It, it's um, so much easier to sell something that you believe in that solves a problem. Um, that works or that has great value. Um, and that's how I feel about seller board. So it's been yeah. something we've been selling as an agency for a long time.
there are a lot of great tools out there. I never used them, but of course, since I'm working in this field, I, I go to the websites, I check demo accounts, I speak to other people who sell, and you always mention some other stuff. So there are a lot of amazing tools for different features, which are specifically for something else. But for um, what's true is true. So Sellerboard is the most accurate tool in the market right now. It's been for the past three years since they joined. They were already the most accurate and they do have amazing features. So there might be for other features, I don't know, for something else, other tools might be better, like Keyword Tracker or something else. But what they, what Sellerboard did, uh, the developer team, um, they did an amazing job. I agree. Um, and it was this, something yeah. that helped us bridge the gap with, with brands, because brands come to Marknology. Manufacturers come to Marknology. They're saying, hey, we want to be on e-commerce or we want to be on Amazon. We want to do it right. Help us get control of our account or help us launch. And they're counting on us to hold their hand and educate them about how to sell on Amazon correctly. So, you know, in some cases, maybe they've only been doing B2B selling for 100 years as a company in some cases. Um, and they're trying to step into 2022 and beyond and be be relevant, be current and switch this business model um, to selling a different way. And a huge part of that is communicating about about the same things, but being able to speak the same language. We call, I call that tech right. speak. Um, but having the same, like the same lingo about what we're talking about. And I feel like Sellerboard for us as a team, and that's, you know, that's what I can speak to for us as a team, running multiple accounts, knowing everyone's figures, being able to speak with them and give them actual actionable advice, um, on what to improve or, or, or areas like the title of this conversation is profit killers for Amazon sellers. Like, you know, being able to look and say, Hey, it overall, like our ACOS is good or our tacos is good or our profitability is good, but there's three SKUs right here that are killing us, you know, in fees or in returns or something like that, that we would never see if you're just looking at the overall, right? So it's ability to get low. Um, let me ask you a direct question. And, and before I do, shout out to our sponsor, Fullscale.io, um, making the show possible. Uh, Fullscale.io is helping people build software teams quickly and affordably. If you're looking to add to your software team, check out Fullscale.io. Um, Jenny, what are some of the things like, you know, you talk, you're talking to all of the partners and, and customers and demos. What are, what are a lot of the things you're hearing from sellers um, that are killing their profits right now? Well, this way I'm here. I'm going to talk about hidden profit killers. Um, what's some what what I hear the most is they don't always understand how many how much money they're making because at certain I've never seen a real Amazon seller seller central account, but what I've heard is um, a lot of numbers are shown in preview and there is like a preview text between uh, brackets. And they use all kind of softwares to pull out their data for some different reasons, but they don't always know exactly how much they're doing because sometimes um, even software like ours, we refresh once in 15 minutes, for example. Sometimes they need the data um, because they have their partners, because they're, um, they have investors for different reasons. They don't know the exact numbers on time. So this is the part. Also, um, returns are the biggest profit killer always and it's not only this um so there i've gathered topic of why um there are hidden profit killers and how they affect your business so the first one is of course um when you have your inventory misplaced in the fba warehouse or when you yes. have lost inventory 
which is normally found within 25 days. Sorry, if um, the inventory was um, reimbursed, if if the inv- if you were not reimbursed for the lost inventory, or for example, if because um, this doesn't sometimes happen automatically. Or if, for example, a customer um, bought an item, initiated a return, but never actually uh, returned the item back to Amazon's warehouse. So sometimes Amazon might not reimburse you for these items automatically, Um, which is why we have a money-back feature, which can get you a report and help you get reimbursed for all these items. But this is not the point of it. The point is that even if customers um, send the item back to Amazon's warehouse, sometimes it might arrive in... Um, and non-sellable um, condi- sell- uh, conditions, condition, yeah. which is the worst part. Um, so what happens uh, basically is, um, and even if they return the item, you're still going in mind is because what happens is it's like a step-by-step process. Um, customer initiates return, Amazon refunds the full price, Amazon charges the seller, the product arrives in the AV warehouse, warehouse, the product is um, usually qualified as a sellable or unsellable, and then this, your stock is updated. Thing is that what this is the um, the strategic normal um, scenario. Let's go to the worst case scenario. Let's okay. say again, customer initiates a return, um, Amazon refunds the full price and charges the seller. What might happen is that customer doesn't send the product to Amazon, and Amazon waits for forty five days. Um, charges the customer, then reimburses the seller. So this is reversal reimbursement. Reverse, reversal reimbursement is actually a huge um, profit killer because what happens is that um, even though item, even though the item is returned, by, even though you're basically reimbursed for the item, there is a fee for um, the shipping, a part of the fee that's not actually returned to you by then. It's like it may be like less than a dollar or two dollars, but still. Um, what happens when the when Amazon reimburses you back for the item that was not sold, well, that was not sent? What you'll see is you'll see an amount in preview, in brackets. This is one of the previews that are usually so, shown um, in your seller central account, but this is not actually the real number that you will be reimbursed with. You will be reimbursed much less because there is a percentage for the charge that Amazon charges um, for the way that you'll not be reimbursed for. Usually it's less than a dollar, but still. In That's the end, you're going in minus. And if you get a lot of returns like this, still 20 bucks is still a number, let's say for 20 units. Um, so this is one of them. Um, and it's crazy because sometimes I um, there are a lot of these features that help you get reimbursed for Amazon and they charge like 20, 25% commission. Um, we don't charge anything for it. So, but still a lot of customers that are using Sellerboard still forget to check how much Amazon owes them. Usually, um, my advice to go into the future once in two weeks and see because it's an, an automated report that you're downloading. Um, and I've had it's which what's funny is I had a guy um, present on one of my live events, and I was talking about money back and stuff. And he was and while we were um, it was like a two hour event, he he checked how much Amazon owes him, and it was over two thousand dollars. And then he just writes in the live chat, hey, guys, I just checked right now while you're talking and Amazon owes me over 2K. How can I thank you? I'm like, you're paying for seller board already. Just visit the feature more often. Yeah. So there's such stuff that um, a lot of errors that you might be charged for, you might not know. And um, and then if you don't notice and try to get reimbursed back within time, it's still you're losing. It's 
it's pure profit in the end, even if you're reselling um, right. returned items, which are in a sellable condition. So this it's one. It's money that Amazon's holding that's yours, you know, yes, uh, interest-free, exactly. interest-free. Exactly. So um, I want to speak to that just a little bit on from the agency side, like speaking about the return problem and it being a huge profit killer. I think that really the way that we use money, you know, the money back portion or even like the seller board in general is it's a data dashboard to tell us, you know, it's almost like you're plugging a machine up to your car to tell you what's wrong with the engine or it's a doctor doing an x-ray mm-hmm. or an MRI. Um, you know, for us, uh, it tells us that there's a return problem. So the best way to handle all of what you just said is to have less returns in general. Okay. So, you know, you, you can have like, if, if you're having 2000 in, in, uh, in returns, like let's say you get your money back, you're back at, you're back at zero. And then frequently you're getting large chunks of, of, uh, differences like that. There's something wrong. Right. So it's not it's not like, you know, if you go back two years, maybe you find that. But let's say you clean it up and then going forward in the next three months, you have another two thousand that Amazon owes you. You have a bigger problem than just collecting on on that money. Um, Maybe your content is wrong. Maybe you're like, you know, uh, one time we were overselling a product, meaning we all of our content was like sell, 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 tell about all the values, all the amazing things. And we had a very high return rate, like honestly, close to 26%, I think, on this particular item. And the item was amazing. It was a premium item. It's quality. It's like, you know, it's very nice. But I feel like what was happening was a combination of Amazon being easy to return. So people buying this product uh, and it was like one that you use while you're injured. Think of it like a booth or something. Right. And so I think people would kind of use it for a bit and then give it back. Um, and then also they didn't know what they were getting. They're used to getting like basic crutches here in the U.S. And instead they were getting a very nice item. Um, and so instead we switched the content to educational, like making sure they know exactly what they're buying and what they're going to get and expectations. And we saw return rate drop significantly. Right. Another thing you can do is if you keep seeing the same SKUs getting held up in check in or like, you know, items going missing. So many manufacturers or brands we work with have their way of doing things. And when we're telling them kind of how Amazon, you know, um, expects these items to arrive, they're always trying to cut corners, you know, like uh, whether the label is not right or they're trying to use a UPC instead of the SKU or these different things that essentially can hold stuff up in inventory. When you really just use like we use Sellerboard to essentially say we have a problem here. Let's go talk to our warehouse, because if things get checked in correctly or we're not getting as many returns, that solves the, the bigger problem, which is like, you know, Amazon taking from those sales. So while yes, on the backside, you can get money back. There's also a lot that the program can do to tell you what you should be focusing on on the front side. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, if you're looking at your overall return rate and it's like 4% or something, you're like, oh my God, okay, I'm below the, the average of 5% returns. That's amazing. I'm doing good. But maybe you have one item that's almost all of that 4% and you could work on that item to get it better. Um, exactly. You just can't tell without you know, the tools like Sellerboard, I think, that give you that visibility. Did that make sense? It does. You can also check the return reasons. And just um, if you have the same reason all over and over again, then obviously something is wrong with your product. But um, it seems to be getting a little better there because it used to be, um, I feel like customers would just choose like maybe one or three from like a drop down, like three. And it was like item not as described or like, you know, item didn't arrive or something like that. And the reasons just didn't feel like they were actually telling us why. Um, But I feel like I think recently Amazon's allowed 
ability to add a couple comments and then uh, they do write comments now because in seller mode you can view them and you just click on the returns number which like let's say 40 for example it's usually in blue and then all the reasons will pop out in the pop-up i'm not in the weeds all the time myself anymore as far as like operating but i get in there because we have several partnerships where i own equity in businesses in brands uh we're building brands with people and partnering in that way and we use seller board to essentially tell us like what those those shares are as partners right and so yeah. i'm getting into seller board a bit myself even as the owner um and saying okay we yeah. took over this brand it's been three months since we've been working on it like what you know what kind of changes are happening it really helps you story tell what's what's going on you know inside your account it's it's a beautiful you know interest. you don't really need a lot of reports or a lot of tools to understand how much money you're making well from my experience talking with sellers i think it's so much simpler like i might be wrong but i think you just need to understand you just need like let's say a profit and loss report or a sheet where you're understanding how much money you're making per unit sold um you need to have a cash flow report to understand how much money you have um in not whether you have enough cash to operate your business and um you know the balance sheet to understand what's your stock level and when you need to reorder i think having those three don't need really much having those three will basically help you at least if you're a beginner start and be on the go and run your business straight away there i don't I, I, you correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think that you need like too much of course no, if that's, you're that's, like, most people don't even have those three so you know, they don't, when you ask them, like, what's their customer lifetime value or what's your average order value or um, what's your average return rate or, um, you know, how much are you making a month in profit? Most of them do not know before we plug them up with a tool like, like Sellerboard, because what it's doing essentially is bridging the gap, I think, between these firms and companies or brands that have accountants or bookkeeping yeah. people that do traditional accounting and they're trying to do e-commerce accounting. They're not there yet. You it's know, it's basically different. money in, money out. And seller board allows you to see what's inside of that money in, money out. It is because usually um, how what accountants do is, um, well, they do things late and abstract most of the time. Um, or um, sometimes they calculate the differently, like uh, units per profit per unit, which is very wrong because there are all those fees in the end that you calculate. Um, seller central reports in Excel is very time consuming and of course tools is much easier because it updates every 15 minutes let's say hours and then you can um, understand how much money you have at the moment well first of all you should understand that you should be thinking about all the costs that you have yes. per unit because um, you, you have in the seller central like this manage inventory estimation right so i even have it in front of me uh, as a picture it's the fee is always the fee is not always pre precise it's an estimation and um real fees are in transaction reports or for example in celebrate and opening 100 windows at a time will still it's very time consuming and um this is why most of the sellers that think, oh, I have this estimation. It's very wrong. It's not the it's not the amount that's in the end, but by the end of the day, it's much, much, much lower, lower because you still have the storage fees. Um, you have the long-term storage fees, um, and they're very different because long-term ones are they well, they they are they're usually they take the ages usually higher than three hundred sixty-five days. So still, um, it's the storage fees are around twenty percent of the net profit, if I'm not mistaken, right? It can be. It depends on it depends on what you know how much your product is is making per sell or um, you know some people are selling watches and the FBA fee is small because it's a small item and it's not yeah. that heavy and so Packaging the FBA fee is small. Is the percentage is relative, um, you know, to what you're selling. But 
Um, yes, you're right. And, and honestly, as someone that's been doing this a very long time and come across all these problems and lost clients because of these fees or, or got hit with long-term storage fees, or you pulled it all out and you couldn't send inventory back in, you kind of learn these things the hard way, um, you know, and seeing things change. A lot of it has been, I can't tell your FBA fee till we ship the first item. And then we need to benchmark it and make sure it doesn't change, you know, but in that item needs to be shipped by Amazon measured before you have an accurate fee. Um, and it was working through these things like, like, let's say long-term storage fees. Um, I've launched my own warehouse and, you know, I highly recommend to brands working with us that they have FBM and FBA. Why? Well, it allows us to, you know, use a tool like the inventory and see which items are hurting us in long-term storage fees, or even before we get there, running a lean, um, lean management when it comes to supply chain, where, you know, we are only keeping 30 to 45 days. We have. Uh, items in FBM that are essentially if the items are slow moving or let's say we're selling like a 40 pack or a 50 pack of something um, or we want to be essentially we backfill FBA. So if if there's 30 items in stock and they run out, FBM kicks in while we're sending inventory in because it just really pays over time to be very um, on top of that inventory so that you're not storing too much. And it's things like the tool telling you that that you then create the solution, which is, I need FBA, I need yeah. FBM, I need lean inventory and things like that. Okay, the way you've done things before is not working. We need to send in smaller shipments more often or something like that, right? It keeps changing across the board. Yeah. Um, so these are these are things that like, it's really your health check. It's, it's super yeah. important, the profitability part, um, because you have to be profitable to stay in business, right? So, and I think sure. that's another reason why this was something that was very hard for me to learn um, coming into e-commerce as someone that just is a bootstrap guy, like with, you know, running a budget and a checkbook. I used to be in a band, living in a van on the road, yeah. on tour, like you run really lean, you know, and um, just to be able to survive. Well, when I first started helping sellers, I only thought of it from this perspective, like, OK, we have to be profitable. We have to make money like I need to understand this and. And then I worked with Adidas and I worked with some Suiza and some big companies where it was about spending the marketing dollars, uh, hitting top line sales, you know, different goals and strategies than just like having a profitable business. But what I will say is that the aggregators that are in this space, right, there's like there's a lot I of them right 70 now, plus, right, 80 plus, like 20 something billion got dropped into our space in the last couple of years. I love it yeah. because it just brings a level of competition and excitement, I think, to the space. But also um, <clears throat> they were they're here because when the pandemic happened and there was nowhere to invest their money, they looked to Amazon businesses. They looked to brands, people selling on Amazon and they saw profitable businesses, which is something that the economy needs whenever you're going through a slump, whenever you're going through mm -hmm. an economic depression and things like that. So that's why our space started getting this attention was because of sellers understanding this and having profitable businesses, which is just really rare um, in the startup world. Uh, usually it takes several years to get profitable and Amazon sellers can come out the gate if they know what they're doing, um, you know, with profitable products. And it's like um, the very reason why we have the tools is I guess my point is like the reason the aggregators are to this space is because people are thinking and caring about these little things like, mm -hmm. like FBM and FBA and long-term storage fees and, and return rates and, and essentially creating profitable businesses. I get excited about it. Um, just cause I think what we're doing is, um, is, is special, uh, in the e-commerce space. It is. Um, I was, cause you know, I'm usually in touch with different people in this sphere. I was, um, 
a few months ago, I've been, well, I've been um, in constant touch with one of an aggregator firms. Uh, they so they're guys who invest. They're two guys. Uh, I'm not mentioning names, but they invested billions of dollars in the business. Um, they were doing something. They were somehow connected to uh, companies like Google, but um, on a different market ones, not in the US. Um, so this, they had these billions to invest and they invested, they opened an aggregator firm. So basically they bring out businesses. Um, and it's funny because they they were new in this sphere around a year and a half, two years ago. And when we had the calls with them then, we had calls with them recently. And it was so funny because uh, I've been in this for a long time and they were like, they had all this money to spend, but they didn't even understand how the whole business is going. Now they understand more, but still it was very funny because the market did get a lot of attention the pandemic you're right and people started running investing a lot without even understanding how it's going so you do need tools but um you did a, you, you mentioned a great example with the watch because watches so watches will basically um optimize storage fees because the the it's reduction size the packaging is usually smaller so when you're selling small stuff is one thing but imagine you're selling big stuff that are heavy, that they're taking a lot of um, packaging uh, uh, needs. So this is a bit harder for sellers like this because they don't really understand them. Because um, we at Sellerbird found over 70 um, hidden uh, Amazon fees that wow. we take all into account. Um, so there is the FB inbound, and as an example, FB inbound transportation fee. And there is an FB inbound convenience fee, and then it's an inbound defect fee and transportation transportation program fee and transportation fee. So they sound all the same, but they're actually all, di- all different. There is a coupon redemption fee um, and customer return per unit fee is the one I was talking about earlier. And there are around 60, over 60 of them, or we found over 70. So there are over, over 70 fee types that you're constantly being charged for that you don't even know because they're not shown in the Solar Central. They're so, the, the number is shown only in the preview. You have disposal fees, labeling fees, bubble wrap free, fixed closing fee, um, taping fee. Um, there, it's, it's, there's also compensated clawback. So there is all this endless number of fees that you're being charged for that you don't know about. So, um, and as well as lending costs can change, whether it's by period, by batch or by marketplace. And um, you always need to understand your cost of goods, how much, you're, how you're managing them. And I think this is the part which most sellers are constantly complaining about because there are yeah. all these fees and they are profit killers because you think that, oh, by the end of the month, I'll have this money on cash on hand, cash in hand, but it's never the same number. Um, and um, this is the part because even when you're tracking the changes in your cost of goods, um, if you track it by period, it's never 100% precise, but it's fast an easy way to do this. Um, first in and first out, it's 100% pre- precise, but it's very complicated to um, to calculate. And um, when you're weighting the average, it's like it's, it's halfway there and halfway here, but it's kind of almost perfect. So you should be understanding what's, you should always mention the cost of goods that you have and how much money you're spending, whether it's on photo shoot or anything else, because still you're spending the money and it's not the clear cash that right. goes in hand. I don't and, think enough people do that on like with the seller board feature to be able to add those additional fees that aren't like, you know, coming from Amazon, like photography or whatever. Yeah. A lot of our brands add our agency fee in there um, so that they're getting the real picture. 
So yeah, yeah. I think that's what you're referring to, right? Like uh, yeah. additional fee. Okay. Exactly. And uh, like I mentioned with the returns, I mean, you have like I, I said, it's it's less than a dollar. Well, if you're if you're selling, for example, an item that costs eighteen point ninety dollars, you have a referral fee, an FBA fee, cost of goods. You have that. You have so the profit from the eighteen ninety dollars will be around six six point sixty eight seven dollars. And out of the $7, when the item is returned, let's say as an example, you're spending 0.6 in the refund fee. You're still spending, let's say it's a dollar, 20 returns, $20 still, it's the money that you can buy something for. Right. And, and I think, I, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, I think that that's why, you know, so many people just focus on advertising spend, but there's really so much operationally that you can improve that that's really where the margin is lost or won in my opinion, whether it's mm-hmm. your box size, it's your cost of goods. Are you buying from China? Are you buying from Latin America? Where are you sourcing from? Can you get it cheaper? Can you bundle them? Uh, can you handle Can you get them inbound to Amazon correctly with the tape and the labeling and the box label so that they're not getting these additional fees? Um, exactly. So many people are like, oh, I've always done this. Well, things changed three years ago and they now you're getting change. dinged, you know? So they change every month. <clears throat> It's crazy how it evaluates. Um, so yeah, so what I'd suggest, in my personal opinion, I think returns are the like the biggest hidden profit killer, and it would be, it's much easier to to minimize return costs and do some changes. Like you, of course, you can usually what everyone else will say is let well I'll optimize text and images and products and packaging and that's it. Still, you need to understand return reasons apart from optimizing these points. Um, and of course you can get this, you can understand the return reasons by going to seller central. Then I think you go to report, reports, FBA, customer concessions, customer returns. And then there is a, after this whole long way, there is a, there is a last column, um, to, uh, to ask the, to ask for reasons for return or ask for customers to leave you, um, feedback. Well, instead you can use just like an autoresponder feature that we have, and there are many of them more which will automatically send request review uh, emails from Amazon, or you can use your own template and ask customers to leave your review or um, give some feedback to why they're returning the product. Of course, it's in an area that we are now, I think 2022 is crazy. We have all the cell phones with three cameras. It's, it's funny, you know, or, um, it, or, you know, I like the walkie talkie on the, on the Apple watch. This is the okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it reminds me kind of my childhood, you know, but still, um, we have all these um, technologies that are making things so much, so, so much easier because back in 2016 or 15, as far as I know, I might be mistake, mistaken that there were no so accurate tools out there for Amazon sellers, right? There weren't. So I understand why then customer client, well, sellers had um, a lot of um, issues understanding what they were doing. It would be funny. Uh, it well, it, it kind of is funny that some people are still not understanding how much money they're doing on, on clean hand and cash. By the end of the day, they're not understanding um, that they should manage the returns, optimize their product listings, um, understand the reimbursements, calculate the reimbursements that Amazon owes them, um, and everything else. Because I think everyone is running after getting more units sold, like with all the PPC campaigns at the moment, right? And they're forgetting to keep track of everything, everything else. I I think that's where some of the aggregators are failing is um, operationally. It takes it takes great tools and experience and a great team, uh, a lot of knowledge to really run an e-commerce business like the operations from supply chain to product design, product development, choosing the right items, the right size 
thinking about that intentionally. I'm not just building a box. I'm building a box. I'm understanding what the tier sizes are at Amazon so that I can be under the, you know, if I can be a smaller size tier, why wouldn't I do that when I'm developing my products? Um, you know, just digging into those things as an agency, as a service provider, you know, trying to, uh, bootstrap my way into a business in the early years. Um, I was losing, I would lose, I can't control customers understanding their cash flow. I can't control customers choosing to have quality products versus cheap, you know, bad products. I couldn't control, um, if they understood their fees or if they were packaging them right, because they were using their supply chain, all of these things that essentially made me lose. Uh, or lose a client is how I felt like I'm a competitive person. They're hiring me yeah. to run this business, grow it. And there are certain things outside of my control that we weren't able to do. And these were like where a lot of our learning came from was, okay, I lost this client because um, it looked like sales were going, we we're doing a hundred thousand a month, but, but this or, but that, or, but this or, but that, whether it was like exactly. product. And so for us, it became, well, I'm only trying to work with uh, brands that have great quality products. And so it became like, you know, that's a filter. I don't want to work with these cheap knockoff products because then we're going to have major return problems. Uh, and then like, I'm not going to be in business with them, you know, very long because yeah. then you have to deal with all these problems. You get to choose what you want. Um, or people choosing, like for me, the conversations now are like, talk to me about your supply chain. If they're trying to work with me, I want to know everything about their supply chain, even though we're talking about marketing and selling on Amazon. And they know right? nothing it's about really it. really the supply chain I want to talk True. about because, um, you know, how many times I've lost because we've oversold products and they can't get product back in, or they have an incompetent warehouse that constantly has us having issues with Amazon. These are all things that are like, maybe not so sexy. Like when it comes to Amazon, you know, if you're marketing what you do, content or PPC, but these are things that are super, super, super important. It's funny. I've been um, with one of um, Cyber's partners a few days ago um, on a call and he's complaining about stuff and he's complaining, 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 complaining. And um, at one point, I understand that he doesn't track his um, inbound shipments. So the number that was sent, so um, errors in inbound shipments. So. He's saying, well, I'm not making this and it's always enough. And I think I ordered a lot and I'm checking the velocity of the sales and how I'm selling. It should have been enough, but I ordered. And he goes complaining for around like 30, 40 minutes. And then I understand that he had uh, inbound quantity deviation. I believe that's what it's called, right? Mm. So some people don't even track the amount that should be checked in Amazon's warehouse of units of the products. Missing, that just missing working. items. It is. And um, I think that well, this or well, for me, that was like a sign you should you should track this because I, I thought everyone tracks them, but obviously not. Um, and I think that's also should be considered as a hidden profit killer because um, these are still it's your money in the end of the day and you can save up on. Well, you can at least if you don't really care about them much, because, well, of course, if you're selling 100 to let's say 3000 units a month. It's money for you. If you're selling, oh, I don't know, 100,000 units, well, you'll say, oh, I don't care. I'm selling anyway. But even if you collect, let's say, all this money from the reimbursements that Amazon owes you from the um, errors in inbound shipments and such, and make sure that um, you're getting less returns um, and you collect all this money in a jar, you'll have enough for Disneyland a few times a year for your kids. Yeah, send us, send us, please. We'll tell you and we'll split it with you and we'll go to yes. Disneyland. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm not too old for Disneyland. Yeah, so. me neither. I'm planning the one in France very soon, hopefully, um, before summer ends. Um, so, yes, I think those are the main ones. And I think that if um, 
people focus more on the FBF changes, whether their um, products are being remeasured and they're automatically sent in the wrong category for sales or customer returns that were initiated and never sent back or um, changing categories or um, lost and damaged stock in Amazon warehouse. Um, if you get reimbursed for these, you'll obviously every month have some reimbursement, some reimbursements that you can uh, put aside. And so it's pure profit in the end of the day and it's your money and I think it's worth every worth every penny asking for because it's your investments um so yes so i think that uh what sellers can do is track their profitability think about all costs because as mentioned there are over 70 fees you're being charged for you don't know about and um if you're spending on photo shooting on some advising whatever it is you should always insert it into the cost of goods because you understand in the end of the day um, how much money the product or even marketing it turned out for you and keep returns under control and follow all of the errors. I love it. I have one more thing for you, but before we go to yes. to the final part of the podcast, uh, a shout out again to our sponsor, Fullscale.io, yes. helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Okay, Jenny. Um, thanks to Fullscale.io. Yeah, thanks to Fullscale.io. <laughs> Um, okay, my last thing for you, um, thinking about like the, it's pure profit, thinking about, um, you know, investing in content, things like that. Yes. One thing I think about and, and a reason that we push seller board as an agency or a profitability tool is um, marketology is so much more than a marketing agency. Okay, so it, what a f- marketology is really just an Amazon seller with an amazing team that can run everything themselves. How but rarely many can- people do you have on the team? Uh, 36 we have 36 all right it's huge thank you thank you mm-hmm. um we're growing and uh you know we're a full service team with honestly between me and my sisters we have sixty thousand hours on amazon um so we've spent a lot of time uh understanding how this works and what i was going to try to say is that you know whenever we get hired i'm always trying to have the conversation people see our retainer or they're like okay how much are you going to do for me in sales okay or if let's say it's profit sharing and we're getting a percentage of growth or something um okay how much do you think you're going to grow okay i'm already going to release these new SKUs. i know that that will mean new sales why are you going to get credit for that they were going to launch anyway everyone has this like scarcity mindset thing and um for me it's hard to communicate it uh pre working together right but like once we're working together i think it comes in full light but for us there's so much we do that isn't um just about top line sales that is essentially like healthy for the business right so an example would be we just started two months ago with the brand out of actually out of uh, london and we're selling on amazon.com they've already been selling but we came in sales grew by like i think in the first month like the first full 30 day cycle sales were like there's a $600 difference and we're doing like 20,000 a month just for perspective um, right. so not a huge difference if we were just looking at sales it'd be like okay that was a good month like let's keep going right we're not like growing but it's like we we didn't drop either in the transition that's a good thing right but when we looked at profit we saw almost a three and a half x increase in profit so same sales now being managed by us, whether that's PPC, whether that's returns, whether that's different things we're working on, right? We're just getting started. But immediately we saw a three and a half X improvement in profit that we took home, that the seller took home. And my my point of saying all of that is um, there's so much more to selling on, on Amazon or e-commerce than just top line sales and marketing and, and buying content and doing PPC. 
um, you can ha- it can be unsexy, but you can be doing the same twenty thousand and taking home exactly. so much more money if you're paying attention to the things that matter. All the details. Yeah, and it's really tools like Seller Boy that allow us to tell that story to brands um, and say, hey, it's this operational efficiency and it's operational improvements. Really, Amazon is a scoring algorithm. It's scoring all of these things. It's mm-hmm. not just looking at your top line sales. It's looking at your return rate. It's looking at when your I never, inventory. Uh, I it. never checked when I started working for Seller Boy three years ago. There were over 6 million sellers in the world. It's funny that I don't know the number that's at the moment. I think it's like eight, seven. You think it's going up or down? I think it's going up. Okay. I'm sure it's going I up. But I, well, it was in the world, when yes. I started. I don't know. It's funny that I never Googled the number that's now, but I should. <laughs> it just got on the top of my mind. So, yeah. Well, I'm saying well, for me, it's like it was over six million. As a, as a service provider that's not a software, not a SaaS, like we, I can only handle, you know, my agency, my team can only handle so many brands. We have to be selective and choose the right ones we want to grow and build with. Software can do much more than that. And I think that's why a lot of, you know, great Amazon sellers go into software is because they can sell it unlimitedly and they don't have to deal with humans, which is the hard part of, of growing any business. Um, <clears throat> but 6 million sellers, if there's 200 plus agencies like mine, or, you know, even you add 100 softwares, we're at 300. Yeah. Imagine if all of them have, you know, a couple hundred clients even, which is a large number. There's still millions and millions and millions There's and millions. There's space for clients. everyone. I think it's exactly. always going to be this way because it's crazy. And now even aggregators came in. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a big world. But in terms of all the speakers, all the people who are in events, all the guys who are just me and you recording podcasts or doing something similar, it's a tiny world for us as well. Not for else. Last question for you as we wrap up, just because I know we're coming on an hour. Um, we've talked about like some of the hidden profit, uh, yes. you know, profit loss things um, that sellers can think about. Um, what are some of what, what's one of the best uh, features of seller boy? Let's leave it here. Like maybe it's not about just profitability, but like what's what's one that you like when you're talking to people using the software that they just love the most? I, I, it's different for everyone. I'm not a seller and I like the money back most because I just like how it calculates the yeah. money you can get back. Um, I think for the most, well, for some, it's the autoresponder, the request review, and they get a lot of uh, feedback from from clients, from buyers on it. For others, they use it for inventory management, right, to understand when you're supposed to restock and so on. Um, for others, most of the agencies, they very much like the dashboard because you can always click on the more feature, understand everything. From, it's different for everyone. For me, it's money back. I don't know about the rest. Well, as mentioned, it's it, it's totally different. People, it. Yeah, it's she, she people said all of it. She alert. said she loves all of it, basically, is what she said. I do guys. love all of it. I love money back most. Some people use it only for alerts. So it's different how big your story is, how much products you have, and what exactly you need it for. I will not just because I work for seller board, I'll not be pushing it for everyone, right? Well, you will probably find the feature for you if not everyone, if not every single one. But one, I guarantee that you will. Well, it's the most accurate tool on the market at the moment. It's been since since it started, since 2019, 18. Um, so yes, I do love our software. There are very great and amazing softwares out there. I will say that mine's the best because I work for it. But not only because of it, we do have very good features. We started $15 a month. Users who will um, click on the link under the podcast will get two months of free trial instead of one. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, it's worth giving it a try. Still, the podcast is not about solar board. It's about um, focusing on all the hidden profit killers and what sellers usually don't focus on, especially when they have over 100,000 units sold per month. They forgot yeah. about the little part because they think, ah, um, I will not save up on, on such stuff, but actually you will, especially the more units you sell, the more um, you have going under your eyes of all the errors, all the expenses that you're not actually noticing you're standing up. Jenny, that's so good. And I think that's a great way to wrap up the podcast. And here's um, advice from a non-seller. <laughs> well, I learned on other people's mistakes and this. No, a hundred percent. Same as, same as I, um, you know, I like to think we're one of the best agencies in the space and we love, we love, um, we love software like this because it just allows us to communicate and it allows us to see what's really going on and get a health check. And, uh, I guarantee you, if not send me a PayPal request, I'll pay you anyone listening to this show. If you try the software and you don't at least make yourself more or save yourself that the amount of the fee, uh, for signing up or trying the software, there's. Absolutely, it's too much of your trial, no crazy car required. Well, I either way, my point is that you will surely make your money back or save that money or, or find an opportunity that's that's worth that, um, you know, using these tools. You have to dig in. You can't avoid what you, you know, you don't know what you don't know is really what I think about. And these tools help you figure out what you don't know um, about your business and how to get better. The goal has to be constantly getting better. As the game gets harder, we just have to be better and better and better and keep leveling right. up. Um, and figure out the, the the solutions to the challenges that are coming up, uh, you know, post pandemic from from inflation to supply chain. I think they're going to gonna be plenty more. <laughs> I, I agree. I that's agree. And that's why we have to get better fast, uh, you know, to stay on top. Exactly. Jenny, this thank has been awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. And it's an honor. Uh, well, it's a pleasure and an honor both, but it was great. I've been wanting to get on your on your podcast for a long time and I can finally make it. So, Well, I finally made it. <laughs> well, it won't be the last time we have you on. I can mm -hmm. guarantee you that. Thank yes. you for your time. Thanks for staying up late okay. to make this happen. And to our hustlers, thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.